podcast, the podcast that invites Talamoa conversations about various access to equities within the context of Aotearoa. We invite guests such as yourself and um, our beautiful guests today to share their lived experience in an effort to identify common threads within support systems, social networks and knowledge that uplifts the collective human experience. Kelsey, what's up? Um, so in season one, we've got one overarching question, which is what does equity and support look like for various communities coexisting within one society? And today we are so thankful for the fighting spirit. Without further ado, we're going to gift it to you to just centre us and introduce us, introduce yourself and finish the sentence, I am, I am. I am Māori and I am gorgeous and I am a mother. There yeah. you go. Yes. All right, so um, feel free to start us off with any of your um, centering um, spaces or rituals um, that, that, that brings you to be the best you that you can be. Kia ora. Papa ki tuana, na taiki maua, e neke neke hia, e nuku nuku hia, if you are re hia, e hotu. Awa hine rua ki te wai, ki tai wiwi, ki tai wawa, ki te whaiao, ki te marama, tihei mauri ora, tihei mauri ora. E mihi ana kia. Um, it's beautiful to be here today. Uh, ko tui hana o here uh, tokuinoa no um, Ngāti Pukinga me um, Aitirangi me Te Arawa Oku Iwi. Uh, I grew up and um, spent some time here in Aotearoa, but as a young child emigrated across to Melbourne, Australia. Mm. So uh, you hear when I say, you know, when I say Australia, it sounds <laughs> but kind of very Australian. Australian. Um, Australian. <laughs> But um, <laughs> yeah, I've been back in Aotearoa 20 years. I'm a mother of a blended family of four uh, boys. Um, Keanu, who's been born and bred in Melbourne. My family have been in Melbourne for 43 years. Mm. Um, Māori on my father's side and European on my mother's side. Uh, very close to both sides of my family. And um, yeah, we... Um, geez, where was I going? And yeah, I've got four boys 28, sorry, Melbourne, uh, Keanu, and then three here, um, Modi Ora, who's 17, going on 18, Makizuk, or a.k.a. Baba, right. who is 16, and then um, Nikura Paku, so little Nikura, who's six. And so, yeah, I'm a mum, an auntie, a cousin, a sister, a, yeah, and I grew up with um, a brother, Tama, um, and he's uh, 18 months younger than me. And then we've got a little sister who's the same age as my son. So my oldest son is 28. So wow. I know I look shit how amazing for my age to say. Bomb. Bomb. <laughs> if you I can. do say so myself. No, you can and you should. Um, <laughs> so check out the photo after this. <laughs> so this, that little introduction was actually our mm. grandfather when he spoke on the marae. That's what he would open with. Mm. Um women from our or wahine from our marae, we sing it mm. and um, it's just really telling people who we are and where we're from. So yeah, I'm very proudly Māori but also very proudly European. Kia ora. So, yeah, it's a bit about me. If there's anything, I'm sure we're going to learn lots more as we go along. <laughs> <laughs> hey? Huh? Yes, huh? yes, yeah? yes, of course, of course. <laughs> 
Um, something we ask all our guests is, what are their pronouns? Um, pronouns. Yes, let's oh, go there. Eh? Okay. Um, <laughs> her, she, mm-hmm. and wonderful. Yeah. Nice. I like that. I like that. I like that because it's it, it's simple and at the same time it really uplifts you and your essence. Yes. Mm. And I feel like for me, I'm really about the whole cheerleading yourself. <laughs> I just think that you know everyone should shine in their light whatever their light is for them but just shine in your light and mm. it's taken me a little while to realize that it's okay to shine in my light so you know i'm a bit of a positive Beautiful. bunny so you know positive positive money so yeah mm-hmm. okay all right and so talk to us about what community is for you and what like what the, any different like, all the different communities uh-huh. that are have supported you in your journey or has have uplifted you, added value to your journey so far in life? So time's not a, a, a hindrance, so it could be from your childhood all the way to where you are right now. Yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up, we were very loved children. Um, so we were the only grandchildren on my European side of the whanau for 22 years. So mm. it was my brother oh. and I, and we were incredibly loved. We had a grandmother who just adored us, and because she adored us, our auntie adored us and my, our uncles, so my mum's sister and two brothers. And uh, we grew up with them on a little farm um, outside of Dannyburg in a place called Weber. And, uh, you know, they did things like, when I think about that as a kid, they flew us from um, Tauranga down to Palmerston North for holidays. Now, that's in the 70s and we thought nothing of it, but that was actually a big deal mm. back then when I think about it now because it was kind of a bit flash, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it must have been hella expensive too. It would have been hella expensive, but our grandparents loved us so much mm. they'd fly us home every now and then for school holidays. Oh, nice. I know. My, we also used to drive, and I can remember driving and counting the towns, you know. Mm. But at the age, <laughs> you know, to get there. But we also grew up in Patterson Street in Mount Munganui, Um in what was then known, and those that have lived there for a long time, as Arataki. And um, and we had a lovely life there. One of my favourite memories is picking pippi and spitting uh, watermelon pips out, because we weren't allowed to spit. Our mother was quite proper, <laughs> and we weren't allowed to spit. And, um, yeah, and, and I was a kid too that I never wore pants, so I didn't wear pants until I was eight years old. And um, I know everyone's like, what the heck? So you could say, and I was very loved by my koro because we were the only grandchildren that lived mm. at the time near um, my nena and koro. So we had this uh, just this overwhelming amount of love that we encountered as children, mm. you know. But at home, our life was quite different because we had a father that was, um, yeah, challenging. He was he was he was quite a violent man. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- the funny thing is, is when I talk about that, and at, at the same time I'm saying that, I'm saying, oh, he's loved us so much. And he did. He absolutely adored us. But then at the age of uh, eight and a half, so we left behind that community, mm. this familiar community. Um, my mum actually got us on the plane without telling our koro that we were immigrating to Australia. And um, Wow, what yeah. was that like? Well, mum tells a story about how she ran koro from the airport because koro had basically said, don't take my mokopuna away from me. And um, she she ran koro to say, oh, we're on a plane to Australia. Because my dad had left six months earlier. Mm-hmm. And so we were going over. And we went from a little seaside town um, and being 
these him and his loving grandparents to uh, Hawthorne, which um, in Melbourne is a inner city suburb, mm-hmm. uh, living in a flat three stories up. We thought it was a wonderful adventure, mm. yeah. And um, and some of the iconic things, um, if you're from Melbourne and know Melbourne, there's a, a skipping rope girl, and we used to be able to see her from our flat, and we remember that quite distinctly. And we moved to Hawthorne, and um, and that it was it was it was a huge culture shock. Mm. I, we we were very lucky though because we had some a Tongan family that moved into a bunch of flats, a couple of flats down the road. Mm. And they, because they come from Auckland, <laughs> we mm. just naturally, and we've, we're still friends with them to this day. Oh, so, you right, know. So building new communities in a different space. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, and so we went from a very kind of, I suppose, two-dimensional cultural community, mm. a European and Māori, mm. to this incredibly multicultural community. Like, mm. Uh, we we stayed in Hawthorne for a short while and then moved to Kew, and Kew was kind of this considered quite a flash suburb, um, as was Hawthorne. But we lived in the shittiest house in the, in, the, in the suburb. I can tell you, it was a terrible home, but when well, a house, but it was a beautiful home. So and you know we ended up going to a high school which was sixty nine percent Greek, and in my class there were Cypriots, Greeks, Italians, Egyptians, Chinese. Um, a few Australians, mm. uh, Yugoslavians, Macedonians, Croatians, Serbians. Like it was just this, you know, huge kind of, uh, yeah, multicultural community that I'm incredibly grateful for. And then as we left high school, um, we, it went from Greek to predominantly Vietnamese because um, a lot of kids came in from Richmond because Richmond mm. High School was really dodgy, so they all came to Q High School. And... Um, so yeah, our, our, when I say our community, we grew up in a community with my parents that was incredibly multicultural, and I believe that it's really held us in good stead as we've grown older in life because mm-hmm. my uh, tolerance for multiculturalism um, is, yeah, I don't, I just think it's, it's kind of doesn't, I don't think about it as tolerance because I think of it as normal, multiculturalism mm. is normal. I yeah. grew up and, you know, going to the Queen Victoria Market, I don't know if you've ever been there in Melbourne, we used to walk in and they'd be like, you know, five dollars chops, five dollars chops and they'd be screaming out and there was all these smells and all these different languages being spoken and, and everyone had their trolleys and it was hot jam donuts and, and things oh. like that and it just, it, I think it just really opened our world view mm. of um, – and because, you know, I, I lived there for 22 years mm. and in the 22 years I lived there, only once did I get picked my nationality. Otherwise I was – could have been anyone or anything because, mm. because it was such a mounting pot of mm. different nationalities. And I never, I never encountered anything racial. My brother did. Because he was more olive skin than I, and then if my dad came into the school, everyone was like, "Oh my god, he like black." <laughs> and he's not. He's not even black, you know. But yeah. but the only time I ever encountered it was actually my first job, and somebody gave me asked me if my father was the color of midnight or the f- color of six o'clock, and I didn't know what they were asking me, and then I realized and got really upset and ended up getting a formal apology. Now today, no one would do that, but back in the day, that was mm. you know I was only eighteen. Wow. And um, but yeah, I mean, 
Melbourne, in terms of, we, we also had a bunch of really close friends that dad and manager, mum and dad had managed to surround themselves with who were predominantly from Mount Maunganui. And, um, and we had family that would come over and dad, mostly got boys and dad would put them to work and stuff and say, you mm. know, you've got two weeks. But, um, yeah, our community, like we had, a, we had Vince who lived across the road. He was Italian. And we had Mark and Shane who lived across the road. And they were, they were Italian-Australian, I think. And then Helen lived around the corner and she was Italian. And then Michael Zizula lived over the road and, or a couple of roads over. And he was, I think he might have been Yugoslavian. And so it was really normal for us as kids to just have all these this community of friends who were all sorts of different nationalities. And actually mum and dad, you know, if we talk about sexuality, mum mm. and dad always, we had a group of friends and Rick and Jeff were a gay couple. So as kids growing up, oh, and I'm sure gay is not the right word, but, you know, we grew up not only in a multicultural environment where our parents really exposed us to it, we also had a group of real Kiwi friends, mm. Māori Pākehā. And then we had another group of friends who, you know, like it didn't matter if you were gay, straight mm. or whatever. Dad and mum just had this really, yeah. I, I Now when I look back at it, I'm super, super grateful for it. Mm. Right? And it had a, a huge impact on us because I think that it's made us really, like, as I said, very open-minded about multiculturalism and about the... Um, this is the LGBTQTRSUVW world. I'm not quite sure of the right terminology, but mm. it's made us, what I think anyway, quite open to that kind of view. You know, we don't really, mm. yeah, so that was, and then I came, sorry, do you want me to keep talking? Yeah. Or do you want yeah, to inter- yeah, interrupt That's me? No, 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 no. I, <laughs> we're, we're, we're I'm so no, invested. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay. And what next? Tell us more, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, and then, you know, um, I married a beautiful Samoan man, um, but shortly after we married, we um, we broke up. And and uh, Rodney was probably actually I don't talk about it much, but he really was very well suited. But there was just something something missing, I think. And we were both fairly young, you know, twenty two. So I'm one of those people who my number is this, but probably my maturity is. A good 10 years younger. So, you know, at 22 when I have a baby, I'm probably really not that mature. And I'd never really wanted children. Mm. And here I am sitting here today with four boys anyway. (laughs) Um, And I had, you know, and at the age of, um, and I'd been coming back to New Zealand, to Aotearoa. um, And the more I came back, the more I kept wanting to stay. And I couldn't work out what it was. Like, I was Mm. like, because I was just like, oh, why would I want to live there? Because I've got this, at the time, super glamorous job working for the National Gallery of Victoria. Like, super what? flat. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So S- jealous. Yeah, super duper poncy, right? <laughs> and and <laughs> I... the first place I went when I went, so I was yeah, in oh, yeah, yeah. Way back. Yeah, so I worked there. <sighs> and it was super gorgeous, just yeah, have to say. Super glamorous. And I had a lovely husband, like, life scene, and I just... Every time I came back, I just wanted to stay. And I was just like, I do not understand what is going on. Mm. Because my knowledge mm. of things Māori were really limited. We're really, really, really limited. So Dad used to say, Harikitsu moi. Mm. We grew up with him making hangi all around Melbourne. We definitely grew up with, with Māori around us in Melbourne. 
But in terms of tikanga or, you know, world Māori perspective, like a te ao Māori perspective, oh, heck no. I can remember him hearing for the first time that they changed the name from Taupo to Taupo and him going, who the fuck do those Māoris think they are back there? Mm. And cause so I suppose my personal, and I don't want to talk on behalf of my brother, mm. but my personal um, v- view of Māori was that I loved them and I mm. knew I was but it was kind of something that was a nice to have, but I don't really know if I really want to be that Maori. Mm. You know, if mm. I'm being really honest. Yeah, thank you. And so, um, so I had all these terrible stereotypes of what our people were. So here I was, so accepting of multiculturalism, mm. but little did I know I had this terrible bias and judgment towards my own. Mm. And so, um, I had a cousin, Poa Waikens. She's super duper fabulous. And um, she said, I, I, I'm wondering whether you should come back and live back here. So we came. I came back in 2000, September 2000. It, we were celebrating our Koro's uh, 80th. It wow. must have been August. He would have been 80, yeah. So we were celebrating his 80th and I made a decision to then let my dad and my stepmother returned with Keanu back to Melbourne. So my he's the oldest mukapuna of mm. my parents. And my parents said to me, oh, no, you're not taking our muku back to live there. And my Rodney had said, I'm losing you, so I'm not going to lose him too. So, and to be honest, this is another thing. <laughs> I was a shithouse mum. I, re- I, I loved him. But I wasn't really vested in him, if you know what I mean. Not the way I think I could have been or should have been. Mm. And there's a lot of, there'd probably be, there was a lot of judgment at the time because it was quite controversial for me to leave. Our marriage had broken up, but to leave behind my son and all my immediate family. So all Mm. my immediate family were there to come back here. But I had four grandparents at that time still alive. Mm. So I just up and left my glamorous job. And just up mm. and came to Aotearoa in September 2020. What, 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 like, so what would you say be the most, like, the tipping point of you making that decision? Because that's obviously not a, not an overnight decision. Like, you, that must have been mulling a little bit. It was mulling. I remember being um, at a train station in Melbourne. Uh, I don't think it was Parliament. I think it was Flagstaff. Uh, you know, they had an underground loopy thing. Mm. Um and I remember standing there on the platform and this lady starting up a conversation with me. And we were having this amazing conversation. <laughs> and then she turned around and said, oh, by the way, I'm a Christian. Do you want to come to my church? Right? Oh, my gosh. And I remember being... False sense of security. I remember being <laughs> so brassed off. I'm being really careful not to swear. Mm. Being no, really, you can swear. It's fine. It's okay. Really brassed off. Really pissed off, actually, because mm. I felt like she'd... Um, misguided. Mm-hmm. She had she, the, the intention. Yeah, there was an agenda. It, the intention was to get me to go to. And I turned to her and I remember saying, Well, right now I'm going through a phase of my life where I think it's more important that I learn about my culture and my language. And I'm actually going to return to, to New Zealand and I'm going to learn who I am. And for me, that is more important than learning about your Christian beliefs at the moment. Shit. What was her response? And she said, oh, and I said, so 
we can either continue to have the awesome conversation we were having mm. or I would ask that we stop the conversation if you're going to then preach to me about Christianity. Mm. And she decided chose to leave. So that was that. My grandmother, my granny, my cousin, and my granddad, who's still alive, by the way, in 100. Whoa. They, yeah. Wait. Good work. Yeah, so I've got one grandparent still alive and his and he's Lawrence McKissick and he lives in Algies Bay in a, in a um, you know, elderly facility mm. and he's 100. Wow. Yeah, and today I'm wearing my granny's engagement ring. So. <laughs> the whanau, the ancestors are in the room. <laughs> they no are wonder. so in the room, right? And, and my nana, who was a bit of a battle axe, but we loved her to bits and, and cuddle too. Um, so, yeah, so... Where was I? God, that just Can I just also yeah. ask, was that the first time you articulated that in yes. confidence to someone else? Yes. Because it's for me, I feel like all of these there's a lot of moments that are pivotal in my life, but I always articulate it to strangers better than my own family and to myself even. I'm just like So my family weren't thinking that they had no awareness that I'd been mm. had been starting to have this pull. They had no they I did not share this with my family. Well, it must have been scary because that's the yeah. first it's like everything that you're raised with and then this calling home. Yeah. Is like And I can I tell you something? Go there. My dad told me years later that it, my dad he he pined for me after I left to come back here for about two to three years. Wow. He was so brokenhearted. But now what a blessing it's been. Mm. It's been such a blessing to all of our whanau in a funny kind of roundabout way. But, yeah, but to, yeah, that was probably – you're right, Joe. That was the first time that I'd really articulated and said exactly what I wanted to do and what I was going to do. And it was a big deal because yeah. the gallery, no one ever left the gallery because it was yeah. so amazing to work <laughs> out. I've, and I remember yeah. my boss being Ruth Davidson, her being – she was so upset that I was leaving. And and uh, I saw all the ladies that I worked with, all these private school bloody Prada Chanel wearing blicking, blicking <laughs> chicks. Um, but they were beautiful. Susan Bowie, Elizabeth Langley. Um, I remember all of them. They mm. were, you know, Judith Williams, who, or Judy Williams, who I think is still there. Um, they were just amazing women. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I remember, um, yeah, coming home and, and my – and you know what? I remember being okay that my parents were taking my son. Oh, that sounds so terrible. Mm. You know, I would never let that happen now. You know, and I didn't want them to take him. Mm. But, um, but I, you know, basically I'd felt like at the time I probably didn't have the choice. Yeah, my family made that decision. And, um, but yeah, that was my big decision to come back, mm. to, to be courageous enough to come back. So I've immigrated twice once, twice in my life, um, once from here to to um, Melbourne, um, and my mum made us all matching outfits, just FYI, uh, when we got off the plane, <laughs> and then um, and then immigrating back in two thousand, so nineteen seventy eight, and then again in two thousand, mm. yeah, immigrated back, and you know, it's, uh, I went from um, coming back here, and in the first six weeks I was back here, I was suddenly. Living with Māori in Hamilton East. Um, <laughs> I was living with Māori. Um, my cousin Bentham had come up and grabbed me from Tamaki Makoto, where I was kind of just temping and doing what I, you know, and saying, no, I think you need to come down and live by us. So I was got a fl- was flatting with uh, my friend Leonie. Uh, sorry, my cousin Leonie, her friend. I was 
and she said, yeah, I've got a room, so flat with me, so flat in Hamilton East. I met the baby daddy and my two teenagers, and I was suddenly working for Tuanungo Tiro, which at that time only had 5,000 students and was this mm. tiny little <laughs> organisation in this beautiful building based out of Taumatu. Mm. And it was a massive culture shock. Like, mm. I can't even explain <laughs> what that was like. Mm. I might have not even known anything about our culture, and I didn't. Like, I couldn't say wānanga. I just didn't, just didn't know a thing, and mm. I thought I knew everything. Mm. I, was, I was what I could... Sometimes I refer to as quite a bit of an arrogant, snot-nosed, snobby, up-herself, Australian Māori. Mm. That's how I would have described myself. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And when you moved into that um, wānanga space, what, what oh. kind of support was there I to think help you, you no. know, kind of move out of that? Oh, no, they didn't. Snobby, they, snob. Well, they, went, they, they didn't like me at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lady there now, Cherie Kavanagh. She's still there after flopping, I don't know how many years. But she always tells me, oh, yeah, you, you were like this Aussie that had this Aussie accent, but you spoke so posh. And I was, <laughs> and, and you always dressed, like, all in black. So mm. in Melbourne, black's a real colour, right? Yeah. It's a real colour and everyone wears it. Well, I didn't know black was a tangy colour. Like, <laughs> you know, so they used to give me shit about, oh, you weren't going to tangy today. <laughs> you know, and I feel like you were educating like representation of Māori in different colours and different facets before it was cool. Yep, Do you know what I mean? Like you were already breaking stereotypes in a space where, you know, Māori didn't know how to support white passing looking Māoris. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah. So I feel like you challenged it. Like it was a political stance because it was like you're there and you're like, I am Māori and I don't have to, you know, prove it. But it's like it was everyone around you didn't know how to cater to someone who was removed from their lands or yeah. removed from their tikanga or removed from their spaces. Well, and, you know, like I remember sitting on a table for the first time. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. In the, in the, oh, so in, you just went and just dismantled all the tikanga. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, Leslie Marahi, like she was like, um, get off the table. Yeah. You know? And I was like, oh, you know, like. And why kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and why? Mm. And she was like, because that's... And then she explained it to me. Mm. And there were things like at the Wananga back in the day, you'd had the whakapapa... Oh, you had the... um, You had... Yeah, you kind of... You had the whakapapa or the history of the Wananga that sat in front of you. So you always knew, you know, where, you, where it was from and who you were. And I can... But I think a real pivotal point for me was um, when Bentham and Katie... Um, took me to a Noho Marae in February 2001 to a kapahaka group called Rangamari. Mm. And um, and what had happened is when I'd met my the baby daddy of my two teenage sons, we were back at his place, you know, we'd been out partying all night, had a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, how about we watch this video? And I said, sure. And he, I remember him putting the video on. And he said, oh, this is kapahaka. And I was like, oh, uh, what is kapahaka? Mm. And he was like, oh, you know, it's like where they do poi. And I knew enough because Dad had actually taught kapahaka when we'd lived back here. And I said, oh, oh yeah, no, oh, yeah, I kind of know what it is. Anyway, so we're watching this video. you got to remember we haven't been dating. We actually weren't dating. We are just, you know, having a bit of fun. Mm. And he, I was I was and he was, was ora. That's all I knew. And then this video pops up and I'm like, oh, 
There's my cousin Watson, there's my cousin Bentham, my cousin Rehari, <laughs> and their wives, Katie and Michelle. And he turned around and he said to me, oh my fuck, what's your surname? And I said, I'm Tuihana Oi here. And he was like, oh. So unbeknown to me, his cousins were the leaders of this kapahaka group of which my first cousins were part of. So his first cousins were the leaders and my first cousins were part of the kapaka. Mm. <laughs> so then he knew he probably Small couldn't play, just play around with me that I actually had to probably, he had to probably, mm-hmm. be, you know, like call me his girlfriend then, yeah. you know. So anyway. Man, but when your ancestors come through though. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's another tohu. Like, <laughs> like, I'm like, boom. <laughs> well, I Don't go, mess with me. I have to tell you, I go to this, this noho morai mm. where suddenly I realised I'm one of the oldest <laughs> Right? Did you actually the karanga? Right? No, 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 oh, no. I was going to say, oh that would be an experience. No, but, <laughs> but we went into the whanau and we had to kind of do whakawhanaingatanga. And oh. I told them how much I didn't really enjoy children. I had this son. I love my son, but, you know, I'm not going to have any more. And I don't really grieve to children <laughs> very much. To a bunch of people who have all been brought up, like, you know, kids, I, culturally, kids are mm. pretty much number one. Well, I didn't know that. Mm. Right? I love. We loved ki- anyway, and um, but also, my mind got blown, and stereotypes were distorted for me, or actually broken and crushed, and mm. because sitting in the circle of people were doctors, lawyers, accountants, and teachers, very educated Maori, my age, most of them fluent in Te and most of them. It's a terrible word, but with a, a half caste like myself. Mm. So suddenly I was like, huh? Mm. Mm. Suddenly, all these preconceived ideas and bias that I had to have, I had to push aside. <sighs> right? I had to push aside and push aside real, real quick. Yeah. Right? And so and so that became another but so alongside the Wananga. I ended up working for the Wananga for 16 and a half years. Mm. How did that feel for you, though? How did mm. that feel for you when it was kind of like like that mirror was right there? Um, terribly uncomfortable mm. and suddenly inadequate. So how did you move in that space? or what? So what? I suddenly felt really inadequate. But what had happened is that I'd been asked to go and learn a poi, Pania Papa, Mm-hmm. Um, had asked me to, uh, and, and the marae we went to was Pohara Marae, and I was actually seeing Pania's first cousin, Ora Papa. And it was my <laughs> These first. connections. Yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> damn, man, damn connections, all right. <laughs> and um, so we went, we, we went to, and they didn't know I was seeing their first cousin, mm. Pania, and them at this stage. We hadn't really gone public. Um, so, um, I, yeah, and she said to me, oh, you can learn the poi. And this, female character walked past me and said something real smart to me. Her name was Afimai Hooker. In 2001, February 2001, we became inseparable, completely inseparable. Every noho and even after noho, well, I worked at Tuanungo Otsurua and she was studying at um, Te Whatamanungo Waikato. Um, we just became an inseparable duo. And I think... Well, I know that a lot of my learnings were not only from the people at the Wananga, but probably f- from hanging around with her a lot. 
because she thought I was highly amusing because I didn't know a damn thing about anything, <laughs> you know, in, in yeah. terms of Tiao Māori. Mm. But it really disrupted my thinking, Joe, and it really made me a little bit angry towards my dad because mm. I thought, what the fuck have you taught us? Mm. You haven't taught us anything. Mm. But he left, he left New Zealand, he left Aotearoa in a time when he, and the way he'd been, you know, brought up, um, he talks about when he brought mum home and his grandfather telling him, great, you married Pākehā, That's, it's better to do that. And him believing that it was better for us to be brought up with a more Pākehā mm. perspective or mm-hmm. mainstream perspective than it was a Māori one. Mm. So when we left New Zealand, kōhangas and things like that were just starting out. But wow. he, had, he had two brothers one was in Tamatoa, and the other one was leading the way in terms of education space, in terms of kura kaupapa. Mm-hmm. So you had John or here, Ringo, for those that know him, and Monty or here. But he just was like, nah, I don't want a part of that. So, you know, went to Australia. And um, so, yeah, there was a bit of anger, if I can be mm. honest with you. And I rang Dad and said to him, you were a violent asshole, controlling asshole, mm. and actually you didn't teach us shit about our culture, right? And he said, yeah, but we spoke, we've spoke, we spoke. Mm. Once you spoke about it, that was it. We've, we've, that was healed, gone now. You mm. know, we have to leave it behind because actually now we're going to open ourselves up to a whole lot of growth and learning. And man, it has been the most amazing thing, learning about te ao Māori. And I've, I mean... My biggest barrier has been about learning our language. Mm. And so the last six months I've made a real concerted effort to really still, uh, well, it's to, to begin to instill what, well, actually put aside all those inhibitions of learning today and try and really open myself up to it, like mm. lean into it mm. and be okay in that comfortable space. But yeah, it was a really, you know, and then, I did a cultural exchange with a group called Amo, which was run by Bentham and Katie, and we went across to New Mexico. It was my first time actually going officially overseas. And um, we did a cultural exchange in New Mexico with all the various Pueblo through there. Mm. And I remember being in the van, and everyone called it Māori except for me. And I had to mm. learn um, the Lord's Prayer because we were doing a performance, you know. Mm. And I was like going, come on, bro, you can learn it, you can learn it, bro, you can learn it, you can learn it. And um, and and learning that, and I'd performed at the Waikato Regionals in 2004 with Angamaria. So there were all these things that happened, you know, all these. Mm. I went from a multicultural community to a very Māori-looking community, but it, it was what I wanted, and I wanted to dive in deep. Mm. But I'd, I'd probably dove in deep through Kapahaka mm. and through the Wananga, and I learned, and actually, in the midst of all of that, I had two children. I was pretty much a single mother. Mm. And um, Ngāti Koriki Kahukura, I just have to, oh gosh, I'm probably going to get emotional and start crying, but they were like, I was never a solo mother. Mm. You know, their father, he had his own challenges and he was out and about doing his thing. Mm. But that family, that Koriki Kahukura whānau from Puharamarai, they, yeah, they they helped me to raise my children, you know, because yeah. I'm not the most maternal kind of a mum, but I absolutely adore my children, and um, but they took turns in helping me raise them, so I was never ever, yeah, I'd never say I was solo because I actually never was, 
and they'd just come and grab my children and help me. And then I had all the wānanga whānau. Mm. So between Ngāti Kōraki Kaukura and actually my ohe whānau too when I go back to Tauranga. But my Tauranga moana whānau, but my Ngāti Kōraki whānau and the wānanga whānau, they just helped me to raise my children. And why they were raising my, helping me raise my children, there was a, a lot of stuff that was going on for me. But I just, um, you know, I did, I, I think I did a lot of amazing things. I kept them connected to Pohara Marae, despite their father might have been coming and going. I um, I kept, you know, I'd jump in every kapaka thing there was. Um, and, you know, you got to understand, I didn't understand, I couldn't speak to them, but it's what I learned about myself was that I could feel it. So I could mm. feel the wairua mm. of waiata. Mm-hmm. Except I'm not a Motiatia fan, and I can just see everyone rolling their eyes at that. But just <laughs> the, I could feel it, and so sometimes I didn't have to hear the English in order to understand what the Waiata was about. Mm-hmm. See, this is what I'm talking about in terms of senses, and when you're when when you're not gifted one sense, all the other senses become stronger. Yeah. So if you're not gifted the the power to speak your own real or your mother tongue, mm. everything else like I'm like there's this there's so many different multi faceted ways to become a native or to become an indigenous person of your own um, lands and to me I feel like you've really highlighted that for me in terms of just saying that you know you couldn't speak your real but your singing ability came through the way that you afi came through the way that you manaki (laughs) came through I'm laughing because you know in the te ao Māori world my singing's probably really average you know like but I like to think it's quite good but anyway (laughs) like I said you gotta cheer it yourself okay (laughs) but I think too in the last couple of years I've surrounded myself with you know like I eventually left the wānanga I looked after um, Taora and and you know was given and I'm forever grateful to um the likes of Lisa Murray and Harata Samuel who really gave me a, a break to move away from what what I'd worked in, which was the marketing brand cons event space and move into the wellbeing space. Mm. And, um, you know, in the five years I was kaitiaki of Tauda, we won every award there was to win in the country for workplace wellbeing mm-hmm. and, and got to talk internationally and got to speak locally at conferences and all that kind of thing. But that again came back to, I just, what I realised in living here is that I love people. Mm. Oh, I get energy off people. Don't, you know, sometimes it's good to be alone and have mm-hmm. peace and quiet, but I'm a real get me around people, love that energy, right? <laughs> and and so the thing is, is the Wananga gave me an opportunity to find that in myself as well. Mm. And then, you know, now I've gone on to an, an, uh, to Project Lead, another award-winning piece of work with Vodafone, and, and now... You know, we were talking earlier about well-being to me. People tend to, like, there's workplace well-being and then there's community and mm. then there's whānau. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, it's all one of the same. And so, you can know... You, can you stretch that for us a little bit further? Because I feel like we would understand what you're saying, but, it's like, mansplain it to us. What What do you mean by <laughs> yeah. it's all one and the same? <laughs> well, I mean, do you walk into an office and go, okay... I'm in my workplace now, so there's a different approach to my workplace. I'm not the person I was when I just as I before I walked through the door, mm. and then am I different again when I'm with my whānau? Mm. But actually, you're always the same person, no matter what spaces you're moving in. Yes, there might be a few alter egos that come in, mm. but generally, you're the same person with the same values, right? No matter what the environment is, no mm. matter where you're placing yourself, so. Well-being, it's like, well, what the 
frick does that word, word mean? Well, I always think of it as ho order. Mm. So ho being your vital essence, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also around your breath. Mm. And then order meaning that you're well. So a lot of people talk about being in a state of modi order, you know, being in a state of where you're at complete peace and, and you're utterly mm. open to things. But I th- but yeah, so I mean the Wananga sorry, I keep jumping all over the place now. But the Wananga game Wananga gave me an opportunity and I really feel like that I've just learned and grown and it's taken a lot for me to come to a place now at however old I am. Um, to actually say I'm I'm really good at this and I'm really good at this and I'm not so good at that. But it's taken me a long time. Mm. You know, I was talking to my seventeen year old the other day and I said, You know what, you are really good at a lot of things. He said, I said, you're amazing to watch at Waka Ama. You're actually a beautiful singer and you're actually a really amazing son to your father and I. But only you can realise your amazingness. I can tell you and I can tell you to tell it over and over mm. again, but somewhere along the line you've got to f- find it yourself. Mm. And at the moment he's really trying to find who he is. And working in the wellbeing space, like I would happily do this mahi. For the love, because mm. I'm incredibly passionate about it. But for me, it's about touching souls. It's about touching people. And if I can influence one or two people, just imagine they're going to go and influence other people mm-hmm. within either their mm-hmm. workplaces mm-hmm. or their families mm-hmm. or the communities. And then you're going to have this ripple effect. Because mm. I feel like sometimes there's this token kind of corridor that happens around well-being. Mm. It's kind of a bit agree. bullshitty. And um, really, it is a holistic approach. And yeah. you, we can talk about mental health and well-being till the cows come home, and that is really incredibly essential. But in order to have that in a good place, you've got to have all the other things. You know, like if we look at the Te Whara Tapawha model, mm. you know, and we mihi to uh, Professor Mason Jury mm. and his amazing work, um, you know, I've seen that taken way out of context on so many occasions within the mainstream environment. But he put it in the mainstream environment to help them understand us, Aye. to help them understand Māori. And um, and I think that, that that model is applicable to anyone. But it's about keeping, trying to have this balance. And that's what we're continually doing. You know, it's like mm. learning. I'm, I'm like, I sit here today as, at 51, just starting to learn my culture, mm. you know, Kind of becoming, I've become a stepmom to a six-year-old when I d- thought I'd, I was kind of done and dusted for a few years, mm. <laughs> you know, and um, and I mean now I'm in this space with you guys. So and and I love being, I just love being in this space because I love being in the spaces that I'm in at the moment because I really feel like I'm reaching out and you know, kind of that's I'm reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can. Like, well, okay, that's a, you know, if we're really going to do that, we really need to do that. Mm. So, yeah, well-being is a whole lot of things to me because, um, you know, and and, and also it's, it's just something I'm incredibly passionate about and I find it difficult to articulate because the reason I find it difficult to articulate is because well-being is different things to different people. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. sexuality is different things to different people. 100%. Mm. Well-being is different things to different people. Love that bridge and love that connection. Mm. You know? That's one I I've I totally back back that up. You know? And 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 people like to think of it's kind of like our conversation before. Mm. Like I was like trying to understand the whole pronoun thing and under, trying to understand that our 
and sorry, I don't know it actually off by heart, but mm. the LGBTQ, and we joke about it, ABC, you know, yeah. EFG, but actually we don't like being mocked as a people, so why would we mock another group of, mm-hmm. of, of whom are actually a big part of our people, mm. all of us? Mm. So I think, and I've always thought that I didn't carry bias, but hello, I definitely carry bias. I did, and I probably still do carry some mm. judgment and bias about our own people. Aye. Like I'm a lot more um, uh, sensitive to seeing our people um, on the corners homeless or washing windscreens. But that's one side of, of our people that we see. But we've got this whole amazing side of te ao Māori. But I think there's a shift in mainstream media but and there's a shift. But, you know, it's like, yeah. So I've... Sorry, going all over the place, but just having these conversations around trying not to judge, mm-hmm. trying not to have bias, yeah, um, and trying and like well-being. People think it's this warm and fuzzy bullshit, but actually, if we were really intentional about it, it could really make some changes, like some amazing changes. Mm-hmm. And there's all this data that says that it does make amazing changes, but people need to actually believe that it can make the change. And what would your like? If you have to give people like three little pieces of advice to help them make that change or to get them to think about what that change could look like for them, what would it be? Mm -hmm. Or even just to start creating conversations for themselves. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking. It's what brings you joy. It's Mm. what brings you joy. So what brings you joy? Mm. Okay, really think about what brings you joy. Mm. Um, and, and I know people are probably going to roll their eyes because everyone, because a few people that know me know that I love being active. Mm. But being active, whatever that looks like to you, is really important from a scientific, mm. you know, kind of endorphin, adrenaline yeah. perspective because it actually helps with a lot of other things. So if we're talking about a holistic model or holistic approach to your well-being, actually do need to do something physically active mm-hmm. even if that's making a beautiful pottery dish at a you know but mm. it needs to be something tactile yeah um to sit, find out what that is like i said what what brings you joy mm-hmm. and um and then being unashamedly um open about your uh, pumanawa mm. so go what there, are go there. so what are your god Given talents, and I learned that word from Pania Papa actually from Dangamari because her whole bracket in 2004 was around Pumanawa. Um, but yeah, around Pumanawa, Pumanawa being your two puna God given talents because we've all got them, mm. every single one of us. But somewhere along the line, we're told that they are not adequate. Yeah. We are more than adequate. Like I sit here today and say to you, People are probably still trying to figure out what it is that I do for mahi. Mm. But I am one of New Zealand's le- Aotearoa's leading well-being consultant and designers. And it's take, it actually feels really uncomfortable saying that. But we've got to say it. Mm. If you're good at something, then say you're good at something. And it's not about being whakahihi. Mm-hmm. Because if I can say I'm really good at something, and people go, oh, right, well, I know to go and talk to her. Well, then, yes, it is about 
you know, putia, but actually ultimately it's about making really real change mm. in communities, right? It really is about me. Like, I, I'll let's be honest, I want to be, somebody called me the um, Māori Oprah the other day. Oh, right? shit. I want to be that. You already are that. You know, I want to sit in Vector Arena and speak to tens of thousands of people. Let's make it happen. And, you know, that's actually, that's the big bodacious goal. What I'm aware of is I must always remember where I came from mm. and all those different people that helped me to get mm. there because you never get there on your own. I was gonna actually going to up, up you for that because you've got a real, well, for me, there's, there's a lot of people that I've heard in academia and especially in, in academic spaces that don't actually have this gift of understanding who gifted them their knowledge. Yeah. And you, you, like, to or T, you're like February 2012, this person, and you're naming <laughs> yeah. dropping these. Like, <laughs> I swear, there's only another, I've only met another academic that, um, that I've seen witness do that effortlessly. And I feel like that's a real gift that you have because I'm not, sh- like, I know that other people can do it in different spaces and places, but it just rolls off your tongue. Like, that's a talent mm. that I don't, see a lot of so i'm really really like yeah. i'm like i'm gonna uplift that because i can see that <laughs> and if i can yeah. see it it means that i've got it in me somewhere but i'm like i'm really i yeah i don't know if you if, if people uplift you enough for that but like another f- a critique could be like oh you're name dropping people but for me i'm like um you're tracing your geneal genealogy uh, of intelligence i mean th- those people that you know i mentioned lisa and i mentioned harata but over the last two years i've um, people like Che Wilson, Missy Takanawa, um, Nina Keitani Tinaro, I just have to, you know, her and I have been friends for a very long time now. Um, she's inspired me on just so many levels. First mm. time, she was the one that got me my first Zumba instructor job at City Fitness, you know. I was working full time and a single mother and doing instructing, you know. It was great. I loved it, actually, my poor kids. Dragged them from pillar to poster on every Zumba kind of thing. Um, but Nina Keitani Tinaro, um, Gail Bosman-Watini, who's really taught me to lean into those uncomfortable spaces because from then come the most growth. Mm. So that's another learning, actually, if I was to give, you know, mm. four now, mm-hmm. would be one is to lean into those uncomfortable spaces because from there comes the most growth. Yeah. You know, her husband, Apawatini. I mean, they've all been amazing. Ariana Paul and Tama Portaka, you know, I've done w- we've done work with them. But I also have to acknowledge my my darling Nikuranarapo, who really has given me so much. Because I mean, that guy, he's just so open about what he's good at, which I actually love. But I really struggled with when I first started seeing him. Um, but you know, he's he's given me a lot of um, a lot of courage. Mm. You know, to do what I want to do. Mm. People like Rose Masters, Jackie Tamaki. Um, Hira Waitai. Oh, I always call her Waitai. What is it? Oh, shit, she's going to kill me later. But you know who I'm talking about, Hira. Um, <laughs> te kurupa, te kurupa. I got it, I got it. Hira, te kurupa. Um, but, you know, all those people. And there's, look, there's people that I've probably missed along the way, mm. you know. Mm. But there have been pivotal people like Poka Moyo and Pania Papa, Afimai Hoka, Bentham Mohia, Kate Sherrington, who really gave me that foundational space and I think that you know some people blossom at 25 some people have big shining lights at 25 some people have them at 16 some people have them at 30 
and some people have them at 48. Mine just happens to arrive at 50 or 51, right? The other thing is don't judge a book by their age if we're talking about bias. Mm -hmm. Mm. But I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I can kind of sing. God, I feel my... no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm know. gonna, you're gonna have to rephrase that for me because I'm not, I'm not getting any lacking from you today. Okay, well, I can I, sing as well. I, I wanna... can sing Afi My Hooker. She might, she mightn't be here anymore physically, but she's still around. You can, uh, right? well, she can gift you with your voice. <laughs> you know, I can sing, and I am really good at my job, and I care a lot about the community, mm. and I care a lot about our people. Like, I, if I could shift Marty, and I, and this is my thing. I feel still intimidated by Māori spaces because I can't call it all Māori, and um, but I've, I'm learning to put that aside because my wairua, my heart, my manawa mm. is in the right place. Mm-hmm. Is in the right place, mm. and I think if there's one thing, is that wairua a eh, and and listening to he uh, You know, when you get signs, is to try to listen to them because if you don't, they just seem to come down and do something nasty on your ass so then you've suddenly <laughs> got to go oh my god i'm yep. so sorry I, I i heard it's like if you if oprah talks about it but she talks about it in a different kind of way but she says it's like this whisper that starts and you hear it but you think it's, it's kind of over there it's just a whisper but the whisper gets louder and louder and louder and it's like the signs that our tupuna send us or our ancestors mm. They give you signs and they'll do it subtly. Mm. But after a while, they're like, fuck you, you need to listen. Bam. Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> they will Here stop you, you. They will stop you in your tracks. Yeah, And absolutely. they'll pause you for, for if, if you're not listening. Like, for, for my, from my, my experience, I'm like, okay, I'm not actually listening. Yeah. <laughs> and... They've taken away my ankles. They've taken away my, my, my knees. Like, yeah. you know, they've, they've taken, they've, they've, They've had found different ways to pause me, but they will pause you if you don't listen. Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, yep, there's been, you know, lots of things along the way that I've felt, oh, my God, just so heartbreaking, mm. you know. Um, but I think you've got to, yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 it hasn't all been bloody stars and twinkles and, you know, aroha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like you you spoke right at the beginning about the aroha and the love of your 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 koro and your um, and your grandparents. So to me, I feel like that's, I f- yeah. I just hear that all through your journey, the love, the love, the love, oh, and it's yes. like if you can mm. speak about all of those traumatic spaces with love, I'm yeah. like, yo, you've yeah. done the inner work. You've for sure. We can see. And we can see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But the question I want to lean into yes. um, before we get into the fuck your, um, your what's in your fuck you list mm. is tell us about your woo community because I feel like that's something that you've created a space for, and that's mm-hmm. something that I'm like, oh, okay. Did you want to plug it in? Anything <laughs> like that? Yeah. Um. So, um, when I was at the Wananga, we did a thing called Strength Finders, uh, and Strength Finders basically tells you your five or actually your 30, it gives you the values of 30, but what your top five or top 10 intrinsic strengths are that are a part of your makeup and who you are. Mm. And so um, when I, my, my top five um, are communication, and these are in order, communication, woo, positivity, um, includer and empathy, strategic, Activator, ideator, um, I 
can't remember the other two. But it, when you – when I, it's funny because when I first read them, I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of scary how accurate they were. Mm. So – and and the word woo, mm. I wanted that, to, if I'm being nice, to be my number one. So in my, in my <laughs> world, it is number one. So woo is an ability to walk into a room um, and – just suddenly have people do things that they wouldn't normally want to do. So Wu has this, I have this intrinsic ability to make people feel really comfortable, to make people really like me a lot of the time, and um, to actually make people move, still move in uncomfortable spaces and they don't kind of realise they're doing it. It's kind of a superpower. It is a superpower, actually. Mm -hmm. And so when I formed Wu... um, Oh gosh, three years ago now, um, Wu Wellbeing. Um, I had a couple of things in mind. I wanted to be um, a shit hot, amazing consultant in the wellbeing space in the corporate environment. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I felt like being Māori, I could bring a lot to that space. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're ready for it, but um, so, you know, I've, I've had some quite good successes in that. <laughs> they are, yeah. And then two, um, I was going to bed one night and thought. I really loved Red Table Corridor, and she always had yeah. these amazing people right Incredible. on the show. But I was like, actually, what if you did it from a community level and you featured community superstars? And then I realised it's every superstar is a community superstar yeah. anyway, right? Mm. And every person's a community person. So I went to Pua Phillips, who's amazing, and said to her, "Hey, I came up with this idea." She's always been my soundboard, and she said, "Yeah." I reckon you should call it Wu Table Corridor, Wu Tipu Corridor. And I was like, okay. So I've been doing that now uh, two years, just over two years. And um, and what that is is about featuring particularly women, but I but I do do anyone really. I just kind of go with that feel. Mm. I feel my way through a lot of things. Mm. And um, so we um, so we created Wu Table Corridor, and we host that once a month. Um, either in person or online, and um, and I've interviewed probably over sixty women or sixty people, and probably had uh, over two or three hundred people come through. Mm. They're kind of an event that I always want them to be bigger. Like I'm like, why aren't these bigger and better? Um, and I suppose it's a question I need to ask myself. But um, so we've just officially got sponsor from um, Marawa, uh, Marawatia here, which is a branch of the Women's Welfare League here in Kirikirirua. Mm-hmm. So they've sponsored the ones in Hamilton. We're going to Auckland for the first time on the 30th of April. So we're hosting a Wu Table Kōrero up there. Wow. Next next month will be online. So this year we're taking a different approach. We're going to do Kirikirirua, Hamilton online and then Tamaki, and then we're going to repeat that. So I think we're doing nine all up this year, maybe ten. Yeah, 10 all up this year, once a month. Um, And next month, not quite sure, but on April the 30th, we're having uh, Dr. Henny Moore out to speak. And um, we're probably going to, we've also spoken to Jolene Prophet about coming back because they've both worked in the mental health and wellbeing Mm. space. And that's a real thing right now. Um, So that's the Wu Table Corridor. And then in March last, or actually a few years ago, I had an idea about, um, I was on the New Zealand. health and wellbeing leadership um, group. And uh, they were all leaders within the wellbeing space um, within corporates. And I was kind of like, but where do we actually get the bigger group? You know, where's the kind of people Mm. that are up and coming or new to this space? Should we not include them? 
Anyway, that group dissolved, and so <laughs> I kick-started along with Poor Phillips and Tim Merton's um, Rangai, the Wellbeing Collective. Of um, And I have to acknowledge Tim because he's put in so much work. Um, but over 200 companies are part of Rangai Collective. We have a hui once a month online mm. about various things. We've got one coming up next Friday. And anyone that's working in the most – it's predominantly corporate wellbeing space – is more than welcome to attend or those that have an interest. And it's just one hour once a month. Uh, we are looking to go to, to a subscription model. And last year we did a few masterclass workshops. But that's different. And that, that whole idea was I was getting approached by a lot of people who are up and coming in the wellbeing space mm. to um, kind of mentor them. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't mentor all of them. So how do I do that without mentoring everybody individually? So, uh, yeah, I said, how about we start this collective it's kind of, yeah, so it's more of a corporate environment collective. But, yeah, that's what I do. And at the moment we're just scoping out. Um, currently there's no specific awards, anything for wellbeing. Mm-hmm. So just scoping that out and also scoping out, um, and I'm going to say this, it's not PC, but wellbeing conferences, uh, just about everyone I've been to, um, except for one, you have to sit on your nono all day. Mm. And we're talking to people about not sitting on their nono all day because we know that's not good for their well-being. Then we have a whole lot of speakers who get up and speak at us. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what they have to say is actually really interesting. But uh, um, a lot of them are, um, yeah, it's very corporate. And so we're looking to um, deliver a conference that's more diverse, multicultural and reflective of a much wider New Zealand and um, and all the things Come that are on. being done out, not just in the corporate space, but outside as well. Mm. So I'm a big ideator, and um, I just need to acknowledge Dorothy McLaughlin and Marcelina Sol and Wendy Joe and Max Riley and so Angela Simmons, Grant Pritchard, who um, really have been instrumental in kind of going along with these crazy-ass ideas that I sometimes get. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my woo community is both very corporate. It's very you know if we're going to put it into kind of circles, mm-hmm. not boxes. I've got the woo yeah, corporate space, so where I deliver um, corporate wellbeing or help companies. I actually like collaborating more than mm. I actually like going in and telling them what to do mm. because I want the people's voices to be heard. Aye. So I get the employees to kind of tell us what they want. And then make management believe that, that that's the right, you know, oh, yeah, because that was our idea. And then all of a sudden it's amazing. Um, <laughs> and then um, when they could have done that themselves. Yeah, and then I do Wu Table Corridor and then I do Rangai Wellbeing Collective. So, um, and I've done a lot of things for a lot of love. And I've realized, and I spoke to this the other night, I said, you know, um, I had this real, um, oh, my own shit about. Putia and abundance mm. in my life mm-hmm. and not feeling like I was uh, deserving of it. And um, it's probably been in the last, only the last six months that I've thought, oh, fuck that. I actually do need to make money mm-hmm. and be very successful in what I do and be abundant. And bu- abundance to me actually isn't just about money. It's about actually people and Kai, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. um, and and um, and it's okay to be abundant. It's okay to make money because if I can do that, then I can actually have a further reach. Aye. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah. So, do I have an ego? Yes, I do have an ego. 
take it, it's taken me a long time. And you know what? That's the first time I've said that. Um, yeah. So I, um, I'm not, I, I've always been worried about people being having poo high high or worrying about what other people think. And to be honest, I still do. But now I think I'm just in a space of like, I can't really be fucked with all that too much because it actually gets in the way of allowing my light to truly shine and really make the impact that I want to make. And if my light shines, then both your lights will shine and everyone else's. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when I leave a room, like last Wednesday night when we did the workshop, which I don't know if it was really a workshop or what it was, but it was wonderful, whatever it was. Well, I thought it was wonderful. But it's not just about leaving people with learnings. It's actually about leaving them with a feeling. Mm. So you can say, I'm not, uh, yeah, I learned this, but also, man, I remember the way she made me feel. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, I think it comes back to, you know how you alluded to, and probably now that I'm talking, I'm realising that I'm being quite wayward driven in a lot of things. Mm. That's probably why I leave, when I want to leave people feeling amazing. Like they're each, each, every single one of them is amazing. So when people say to me, oh, well, I don't really know what my pumanawa is. Mm. I could say to you right now, your beautiful blue eyes and your amazing hair and you've got a lovely ahua. Those are, you know, there's a start for you, right? That that ahua, we are asleep on. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's about stretching people. Mm. You, I, I think I'm learning that you've got to stretch yourself and you've got to stretch others, mm. you know. And actually sitting here today, I've had a big epiphany about, um, you know, I think I told you I was really struggling with a person in mm. my life. Mm-hmm. And I've realised, I think because, um, yeah, some of what I thought were, uh, I'm confronted by what may have been my own behaviours. <gasps> oh. Okay, let's take a deep breath there. <laughs> No, that's a powerful reflection. Yeah. We reward. We reward that. Yeah. It wasn't until I spoke it. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God. Okay, there it is. That's Mm. what it is. But, you know, it's it's been opened. And and I'm, you know, like, um, I people talk about journaling. And mm. I don't, I'm not a great, I can't do it every day. I'm, I'm just, well, I can, I can do it every day, reframe. Um, I can do it every day, but I choose not to because I just find it too much sometimes. But every now and then it's good to actually reflect. One thing I do try to do in a daily practice of is as I go to sleep, I'm really great. I, I'm thankful for what the day brought me today, whatever it is. Both 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 challenging and good, eh? Mm. Uh, so, you know. All right. So we're coming to our end. Yes, What's sir. in our FAQ conversation list? So what what are some topics that you think is in the FAQ that you'd like to bring to the front, you know, that have been waiting? So either for yourself or for the for the, the communities around you, what are some topics in the FAQ that you'd, you'd like more amplification or more highlights towards? Apart from, because I feel like all of the things that we've discussed are pretty FAQ yeah, conversations. Yeah, sure. I'd, but l- I'd like to understand why mainstream New Zealand have such a high level of entitlement. <laughs> Sorry, we weren't ready for that. No, say that again, please. Say that again. Oh we weren't ready for that. No. Let's just 
<laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> Why some of mainstream Aotearoa New Zealand have such a high level of entitlement. And why I say that is because um, it upsets me um, as I kind of increase my knowledge. And, you know, for me, I, I mean, I don't know a lot of our atua. Mm. You know? mm. I don't know terribly a lot about our wars, but I know base, you know, our Māori mm-hmm. land wars. But, you know, like, just, just take, um, you know, the latest thing that's happened you know, with the politics and Māori wards. And I just think, you know, like, how much more do you want to take of us? Mm-hmm. Like, how much more do you want to see us decimated when actually we're not decimating at all? We're actually growing. The reality of Aotearoa moving forward is that it's going to be a lot browner because our population, in terms of our, I mean, Pacifica and Māori, are growing. Mm. And so more and more we're going to be confronted with having to change our terrible antiquated thought process. And, you know, like now they're talking about the Māori wards being a system of apartheid. Well, I spoke to you both about, so when was it okay for them to come down onto land and survey it without permission? Mm -hmm. And then when we didn't want to give it over, start wars because that gave them an excuse to take it. Yeah. Because we then became criminals. Mm. In their eyes. Yeah, and and the other thing that was probably alarming to them, and I don't have a lot of knowledge of this, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I'm, but um, is we were incredibly entrepreneurial. Mm. And what we still don't hear to these these days is that, you know, like, people talk about the domestic violence in Māori households. Mm. Can I tell you that, there is just as much violence happening in middle white New Zealand, but they don't report it because there's more of a shame associated to it because they want to maintain an image, mm-hmm. right? 100%. Right? Then there's also kind of um, the health stats, okay? So, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of real positive things. The lot that the sooner we have an, a health system run by Māori for Māori, the mm-hmm. better. Because I think that we could we'll, we'll be moving in a much more proactive space. I mean, what I'm saying now could be deemed as controversial, but I'm just I'm actually just probably speaking a whole lot of truths. Our education system is set up for a very small group of kids to be successful, right? Um, and so this, I think that the Rahui COVID has given us an opportunity to really rethink and revisit some of these antiquated, archaic systems that are currently in place around health and education in particular mm. and um and you can call me you can call me a warm and fuzzy well-being consultant you can call me what you like but i'm getting shit done mm. right mm. there's a lot of us getting well, shit done actually you're doing you're actioning in a space where people are pausing and then i think that's that's a, that's something that i really recognize is that because some people have already done the inner work and some yeah. people have already done some of the reflections the deep and meaningful reflections that yeah. actually and leaned into the uncomfortable spaces <laughs> were able to action in a place where the masses are pausing because it's the first time they've ever been baffled with a different narrative. Absolutely. And, like, you know, I mean, everybody knows that if you're a Pacifica or or especially if you're a boy, if you're Pacifica and you're male or um, Māori and 
because you're deemed as disruptive in class when actually, how shit, you might actually be highly intelligent. Are you actually bored by what the shit's been taught at you? Oh, trust and believe that's what happened. I I think that the sooner we have New Zealand history taught, Mm. the better so that we can actually create a society that's more open-minded and actually more accepting of Mm. who we are. Oh, that probably didn't sound right, but not accepting, but just like stop with the bullshit. Mm. Um, there's no apartheid happening here, <laughs> and if there was apartheid happening, my God, it's been happening for two hundred years. Yeah, hundred percent. But when we flip it, and you know, big ups to Nanaya Mahuta. I mean, I'm not a Labour Party voter, just saying, but um, and neither am I national, but um. I just Greens, not <laughs> no, not even them. <laughs> I love them too, um, but yeah, I just, um, I just, I just, it, it just, it just boggles my mind. Yeah, I think often when equity feels like oppression, it's because you've been in a position of privilege for far too long. Well, can I tell you? You know, I talked about how when I was in Melbourne, I could have been any nationality. Right, didn't mm. matter. It didn't matter what my name was, and because there were so many, you know, different names, it didn't mm. matter. I haven't. I, it, it's been a shock to me how um, I have encountered certain things living back in Aotearoa, mm. or automatically pushed into uh, your name's Maori, Maori. So therefore, there's already a preconceived idea, and that th- this is why I don't know if you know, but a lot of people, if you ask the way that I dress, people will say I'm a little bit different, mm. a little bit different. And there's things I like to do which really challenge spaces because also I was brought up with a very posh grandmother who was very well mannered, and and etiquette was everything in mm. my house with my mother, and my grandmother, and so. Those kind of things, you know, you can hold yourself in the same spaces and same places. But I'm I'm indigenous and I'm Maori, mm-hmm. you know. And asking somebody how much Maori they are, yeah. right? Trash. <laughs> when the fuck do we ever say how much Irish are you, or yeah. English are you, or yeah. Scottish are you, Never. or Welsh are you? Yeah. Blood quantum. That's such a bad like that. That's bullshit, man. Don't even get me started on that bullshit. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? that's in America too. They have to. Mm. They have to do that. Mm. So I think that, I think that there's a change that's coming, and I feel like it's coming. Mm. And and okay. I really feel like what's happening with COVID, and I and I, I really feel for our whānau and Tāmiki Makoto. I really really Aye. do, because many of us have family there. But there must, there is, it's almost like there's tohu that are being given to us and for whatever reason. Mm. And, you know, people are trying to revert back to pre-COVID. It's not going to happen, people. Life and everything has changed. Yeah. Already. Yeah. And I feel like in a way it's it's, it's kind of like you're not living in the now and you're not living in reality if you have this utopian of being like, oh, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. And in my, I'm like, no, this is this normal. This is normal now. This is the, like, this is what's happening. And I feel like um, that's why I really am a believer in storytelling. Cause I feel yes. like the stories that we have been telling have preceded what 
all of the discourse has like aligned itself to make to erase and I, I feel like because I'm still here my political stance is that I'm alive my ans I'm the representative of my ancestors in a human form and in a body that that lives and in and and the way that I look at things I'm like this enoughness I'm only perpetuating that yeah like and I you know woo table corridor is really people telling their stories that's it Mm. It's just, it's a vehicle for for people to tell their stories. Yes, they talk about their careers and what have you and all their successes, but that that's really it's a storytelling, you mm. know. And I think that that we in particular, Pacifica and and Maori, are incredibly good at storytelling, you know. But I I, I will tell you that I think I shared with you my grandmother's story the other night. Mm. Mm. You know, my that doesn't that's an amazing story of Beautiful. my grandmother, my grandmother Nakazak, you know. Mm. So everybody's got a story, and I think that it, it's about being open to those stories. And I think that I'm, I want Māori and Pacifica and any other colour or any other culture, we're not just good enough, we're amazing. We're actually, everyone, no matter your background, no matter your culture, you're Scandinavian, right? You look like a bloody Viking goddess. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we are... We are all pretty amazing. Yep, there are definitely uncomfortable spaces and I never used to like being in them. I used to always be talking about sparkles, but you've got to go there. Mm, have to. You've got to go there. Mm. Hey. All right, so you sparked us up with um, your wire <laughs> and it, would yeah. you please um, just gift us again because I feel like your wire really – evoked something in this space and I feel like we need that that back just to close it up so that we can you know go on and, uh, on the rest of our day and have a kai as well <laughs> yeah. so, no, I'm so excited I know <laughs> <laughs> why should I close us yes please oh yes. my gosh okay for all the deals I can sing yes and I'm going to do this confidently I can hear my my gorgeous niece Kitty Tahanga Muntz who's been incredibly patient with me learning to reo. um Kia to kia tato katoa te ata fa o to tato ariki aihu karaiti me te aroha o te atua nui. Me te fifinata hitanga kite wairua tapu ake ake amine ake ake amine. Beautiful. Uh, it just it it came to me actually when I was back home over Christmas over the holidays. Mm. 
um, back at um, my auntie's place, which sits on our, our original Ohe Papa Kainga. Um, so, yeah, it just came to me, um, a wee way of life. So, so yeah. So, a wee way of life and also www.wewewellbeing.co.nz. Um, but, yeah, you can drop us drop us anything, get in touch with us there. And, um, yeah, I need to get more onto it with these wee table events so that people know they're actually happening. And if you are a part of Wee Way of Life, then turn on your notifications. Oh, my advice to you. Thank you so much for coming through. We really appreciate it. And thanks oh. for sharing your stories with us. Thank you so much for this time and this space. I feel like we could keep on talking. Uh, hey, oh, right? We will be <laughs> over food. <laughs> All right, then. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. Namahe. Namahe kurua. Thank you so much. Fuck you. 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 Fuck